0: church everyone we're glad to be back in person because we're no longer choking on our own air. Um, but you guys want to grab a seat find your seats we can find or you guys can find the lyrics online at civalhambra.com forward slash sunday for the lyrics as well as the speaker notes for today or if you're in here in person we got some uh lyric sheets on that side but uh yeah it'll be good would you guys stand with us and uh join dorothy as we sing you may notice we don't really have our percussion section with us and so we're gonna kind of need your help if you guys want to you know put your hands together for that but uh, let's do this to you that you saved our souls, and that from that very day that we put our trust in you, you have given us a new life, a new joy, new hope, that you've raised us to life, and we get to rejoice in our Savior. May you be our everything. Amen.
1: us. Strong sin was strong, but Jesus is strong. you're greater sin was strong but jesus is stronger our shame was great but jesus you're greater
0: Lord that your ways are higher than our ways your thoughts are deeper than our thoughts that you know the great and hidden things and that you make them known to us your majesty and your power are incomparable and yet your love for us is immeasurable as well we thank you we ask that we do all things today and through this week and for the rest of our lives in your power and your power alone Speak through Neil as he gives us a message today. Use him as your oracle. Use him to speak into our hearts. May you be glorified and magnified in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a seat? We're going to welcome up Sean for some announcements.
2: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I think the people are out there. Good morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Um, hey, Victor, can you stay up here for a second with me? Mm-hmm. Yes, please, sir. So, my name is Jonathan Ricker, and I believe you guys all know Victor. Yes, it's Victor. Um, yes. So, uh, what you may not know is last year we asked Victor if he would be willing to volunteer for a time as our worship leader. And he did. And then as we started to go through our transition looking for a new pastor, Victor has continued to volunteer to lead us each and every week as we worship God. Now, that's normally a position that a staff member would do because there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, prepping, preparing, making sure the music lines up with what we're talking about, really just trying to lead us together. And Victor has done such a faithful job each and every week, um, Leading us in that way that we really want to honor and celebrate him. And so uh, every week, Victor was borrowing a guitar in order to uh, lead us here. And so we asked him to just uh, go purchase the church a guitar. But what he didn't realize is that he was picking out his own guitar. So, Victor, this guitar is a gift from us as a church. Just to thank you so much for your faithfulness and all the work that you've done in leading us each and every week. So, If everyone can just give Victor a huge round of applause again, just to thank him. Thank you so much, Victor. Again, my name is Jonathan Rickert. Um, I lead our teams here at Church in the Valley. Just want to let you know about a few things going on this morning. Again, if you didn't hear from Victor, you can find... The worship lyrics, connection card, just information about things going on this morning at www.civalhambra.com Sunday. So again, I encourage you to go there. You can also pick up handouts for lyrics and information over at our table right over here. There's a bucket that you can drop your offering in as well. Um, we won't be passing out offering buckets, so you can also do that online. Um, Now, if you're a guest with us this morning, I just want to really thank you for joining us. And we have a gift um, for you, again, just a thank you. It's a book called How Good is Good Enough. And you can also pick that book up right over here at that table if you haven't realized that is where the information is. So if you're looking for information, looking for something to do, that is the table to go to. Now, we are starting fall groups this week, so if you have not signed up for a group, I really encourage you to do so. It's going to be a great way for us to come together, to connect, and really to learn how to obey God and really just walk through life together. We're going to be having three different types of groups. We're going to have in-person groups that will meet, online groups via Zoom, and then hybrid groups where some people come together and some people are meeting uh, online, and so I really, again, encourage you to go sign up for a group if you have not done so. If you go to that website, at the top of that website, there's a link where you can look at groups. Now, if you're a part of uh, Christian Challenge at USC, really encourage you to join a group there. But if you're not, please come join a group. It's really going to be great. It is not too late. We will be um, keeping those groups to about 10 people. So go sign up before the group is completely filled. But really encourage you to do that. And then in case you were not here last week, or, well, no one was here last week, in case... (laughs) You didn't have a chance to listen to last week's message. Um, You may not be aware that Adam Groza, who's been faithfully speaking to us, he's been our interim speaker for quite some time now, he was asked by another church if he could come and help them as they deal with um, some changes and to navigate those. So he has gone to do that, and we were very thankful for everything that he did. If you haven't had a chance to listen to his message from last week, I really encourage you to go online and do that. But today we have an opportunity to hear from Neil Walker, our very own Neil Walker, and Neil, as you probably know, maybe not But he leads Christian Challenge at USC He's done that for over 30 years And we are really fortunate to have him um, Next week we are going to be hearing from Rick Durst Who is the president of Gateway Seminary in Ontario So Rick will be joining us this week And this week we have the opportunity to hear from Neil So go ahead and come on, Neil
3: Well, good morning I, uh, this 's been one of those interesting uh, weeks it's been one of those interesting years for that matter hasn 't but it uh, been one of those interesting weeks I did uh, my first zoom wedding yesterday uh, that is i wasn 't there, but they were, uh, and from what I understand, they really were there, and they really got married, uh, but I had to be somewhere else and uh, so anyway, it was one of those things so it it was it was interesting, and as I thought about that, I thought you know. Uh, I I was sitting there yesterday the whole time thinking, I sure hope this goes well. And, you know, I've had that same thought as I was thinking about this morning. I sure hope this goes well. For the simple fact that I think there's some things that God would really want us to get our hearts and minds wrapped around this morning. And so I want us to look at some things this morning. So before we do, before we get started, I'd like us to take a minute. Let's just pray and ask God to really speak to us here this morning. Father, thank you. For your word. Thank you that you've given very much uh, clarity and understanding in your word that you've really shown us where life is really found and you've really shown us how we can experience it. So I pray God this morning that you would uh, make my words very clear. Uh, you've told Jeremiah the prophet that has a dream, let him tell the dream But he that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. For what is the chaff to the wheat? saith the Lord. So, Father, I'm aware that uh, your word is where we really find life. And, Father, I pray that you would really make it clear and uh, personalize it for each person here this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what I want us to look at this morning is really uh, the answer you must get right. The answer you must get right. You know, so you know, if I were to ask you, what is the most important question you will ever answer? What is the answer you must get right? I, I'm sure you would have some different thoughts on that. But, you know, there's um, some, we'll, we'll come back to that and exactly what that is in a minute. But, you know, I, I recently, I got a uh, email and in it, this guy sent me this little uh, article and a little snapshot of what the Navy Seals are like Now if you don't know about the Navy Seals The Navy Seals they, are, they make up like 1% of the Navy But they are like the elite special forces Of the Navy And so in this article He gave me the first little part Of the Navy Creed The Navy Seal Creed And it says this In times of war or uncertainty There is a special breed of warrior Ready to answer our nation's call A common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Forged by adversity, he stands alongside America's finest special operations forces to serve his country, the American people, and protect their way of life. I am that man. When you look at that, if you look at that last phrase, he is crystal clear. There is total clarity. No question about, you know, well, I don't know really who I am. It's like, I am that man. And that's one of the things I want us to see today is the answer that you must get right is your identity. Who are you? What is your identity? Now, I'm not just talking there about your name. You know, most of you would get that right. Most. Um, But, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is who you see yourself and understand yourself to be. That's what identity is about. Who do you see yourself to be? Who do you really understand yourself to be? If you're a follower of Christ, then your identity is a declaration of the truth about who you are from God's point of view. Let me tell you that again. If you're a follower of Christ, your identity is a declaration of truth about who you are from God's point of view. Now... Why is it that identity is so important? Well, let me give you four reasons why I think it is. One is this. It provides you with significance. It provides you with significance. People are constantly looking for significance. In fact, uh, many of you have pursued that path quite a while, you know. And where, where is it to be found? You know, some people would look to accomplishments. Some people would look to status. They would look to different things. But what you find is our significance Is forever sealed with what Jesus did at the cross. That speaks to our significance. That speaks to our identity. Secondly, identity provides you with security. Now security is really big today. I mean, you know, where are you going to be safe? Our security is found in the will of God. If we are following Him, we are secure. Our security is bound up in our identity. It's part and parcel of our identity. Because of our union with Christ, we have security. We're secure. Thirdly, it provides you with serenity. Now, what Jesus promised us was, he said, you know what? I give you my peace. Now, when you look at that, is that a peace that's born out of, you know, did it grow out of peaceful circumstances, or is it, is it something, is it this quiet, serene life where you're like, how are you good, how are you, you know, no, no, I mean, actually, the picture you should have in your mind in what Jesus is talking about peace is this, it is a storm brewing, okay, I mean, the winds are blowing, you know, the, the rain is pelting you, everything is going awry, and there is tucked away just in the cleft of this rock, just out of the reach of the storm, sits this little bird totally at peace. That's the peace God gives you. The cleft of the rock. Not like cows in a field mooing or something like that. That's not the peace he gives you. you know, Peace he gives you. Storm going all over the place, but you are safe and tucked away because you are in him. The fourth thing, it impacts all of your relationships. That's why your identity is so important. It impacts all of your relationships. It impacts your relationship with God. If you do not know who you are, you will go through life either trying to impress God or trying to avoid him. One or the other. You will either think, I don't want to get around him. I, I have no desire. Or you will constantly be working to try to gain his approval and, and gain something from him. But when your identity is secure, you're not looking to do that. You know who you are. It also impacts your relationships with others. If you do not know who you are, you will constantly be worried about what do people think of you and is it enough. And it never is. And you're constantly wrapped up in that because you don't know who you are. If you don't know your identity, you're also going to be at odds with yourself. Because your sense of worth is going to be constantly up for grabs. It's going to be dependent upon who said what to you that day, or who didn't say what, or what did you accomplish, or what did you not accomplish. And It doesn't matter what you do. Your sense of worth is just like on a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. In fact, your sense of happiness is ever elusive. It doesn't seem like you ever are able to kind of arrive at some place. Your identity is a big deal. And it can seem really confusing sometimes because oftentimes we see our identity as something we need to achieve. Where do you get your identity from? That's the second thing I'd like us to look at. Where do you get your identity from? You know, when you're young, when you're young, you try on identities like you try on clothes. You know, you try on this one for a while. You're looking for a style that fits you like you would like to be seen and so you you know maybe you're this way for a while or you're that way for a while but you're you're always trying on different things and I'd like us to talk about a few of those I'm sure you know them already in fact you can probably recognize yourself in some of these one of the very first things we try on is performance and what we believe there is I am what I do so we try on performance and and we look at things like this it's our grades you know, your identity is you're the smart kid. Or your identity is you're not so smart kid. You know, but you're, you know, your whole identity is wrapped up in your grades. Sometimes it's in achievements. You're like the top athlete. Eventually you age, though. So then you're the top athlete in your age bracket. You know, and uh, and if you live long enough, you know, you can be the top athlete. Everyone else will be dead. You know, I mean, you try to live that. out. You try to figure out some way of achieving something like that. All those become ways, ways of us identifying ourselves. Another thing, possessions. There what we believe is, I am what I have. I am what I have. And so sometimes it's our style. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, certain clothes we wear or a, a kind of clothes we wear sometimes it's like a certain watch we have you know and I mean boy my watch will you know I can start the car with my watch you know well I I drive with mine you know I mean I can change channels I mean you know it's just something about us that gives us identity sometimes it's a certain car we have to own sometimes it's you know a certain bike, or if you're a college student, a certain skateboard, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that you have to own some sort, sort of technology. These become identity statements for us. That's who I am. And you know, that, that, that's why I'm, that's why I'm okay. That's why I'm cool. That's why this works because of this or that. Some people look at pleasure in pleasure. The thought is I am what I want. I am what I want. So that may be, you know, um, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the fun person. I'm the person that when they shows up, you know, the party starts. For other people, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm the partier. That's, that's, what, that's what I do. And we try to find it in that. For some people, this even extends over to areas of, of sexuality, and that is begins to become how they identify themselves last one we look at is just popularity, and that is, I am what people think of me. I am what people think of me. Therefore, we try to project this image all the time, and we're very careful to do it, and honestly, we're torn up inside and devastated if anybody messes with that image that we have been trying to project. But here's the thing. All of those can evaporate so quickly. You know, what happens when you lose that job? Or what happens when you don't make the grade? Or what happens when you gain weight? Or what happens when you get older? Or the car gets scratched? Or whatever it is goes out of style? What happens then? See, your identity should never be at risk. And if it is at risk, then you have more work to do there's more things you need to look at. You know, if you identify yourself as a person of wealth, well, what happens when the stock market doesn't go well? What happens when all your investments don't seem to be panning out? Or you identify yourself as maybe an accomplished musician or an accomplished athlete, well, what happens when you have an injury that makes it impossible for you to continue in that? See, if that's where your identity is found, well, you're gonna have problems. All of those result from attempts to create a self rather than to receive the gift of ourselves in Christ. All of those result from an attempt to create ourselves rather than receive the gift of myself in Christ. Our identity, being in Christ, is not something we achieve, it's something we receive. It's not something we achieve, it's something we receive. In the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul is very careful to set forth, this is who we are in Christ. In verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at a little passage this morning here, but if you read that sometime this week, I'd encourage you to read uh, uh, Ephesians. Actually, if you read Ephesians, you could read the whole book of Ephesians. Quite frankly, you'd benefit from it, okay? Basically, what Paul does is Paul spends the first three chapters laying out, this is who we are. And then he spends the last three chapters saying, this is how you live it out. This is what you do to live out who you are. So in the first three chapters, he explores this. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2, Paul basically reminds us of where we started, and that is dead. And he starts with verse 4 with a phrase that changes everything. One little phrase, but God Here's what he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But God. God is the one who changes everything about our lives and gives us a brand new identity. He changes everything. Notice when he's talking here about who we are, you know, when he's talking about who we are as believers, one of the things that the Apostle Paul does is he draws an exact parallel between our lives and the life of Christ. And he talks about how Jesus was dead. I mean when they took him down from the cross, they buried him, he was dead. If you see pictures from back then, if you see artist renditions from back then of how they drew it and stuff like that, I mean he was kind of, you know, looking kind of gray and I mean he's got this uh, piercing in his side. He is is dead. No doubt about it. Dead. They've taken him, they've wrapped him up, they've put him in this tomb. Dead. But three days later, God made him alive, raised him up. And that's the very first thing Paul says about us. He says, he made us alive together with Christ. That's the first thing he says about us. He made us alive together with Christ. Just as Christ was dead and brought back to life, we have been brought from spiritual death to life. Somehow, we have been identified with Christ, and his life has become our life our new identity. Our new identity is in Christ. He is our life. So from then on, from the time you come to him on, you're not to think of yourselves in terms of your old identities, things you tried to achieve. You're not to think of yourself that way, but your vantage point is we are in Christ. He has wielded himself to us in an unbreakable union That has been established where we are his and he is ours. We are together. Can't be separated. It's kind of like gorilla glue. You just can't get it apart. You know, I mean, it's there. The second thing he says about us is we were raised up with him. We were raised up with him. Now, some people look at that and they go, what the heck does that mean? You know, well, you know, the body of Jesus didn't just stay alive there in the tomb. You know, Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm in the tomb now, kind of alive. I'll be seeing people from four to six today drop by. No, I mean, when he was raised from the dead, God put him back into life, back into the circumstances he was in. He was raised with a whole new set of power because he, you know, was now the risen son of God. But he was raised back up and introduced right back into society. That is exactly what God does with us. When it talks about we have been raised with him, we have been called to go back into the same circumstances, the same situation, the same everything that we were in before we came to him. But now we rely on a new power. Now there is a new power that's demonstrated within us. It's a new identity. It's a resurrection life. Totally different. Union with Christ changes everything. Everything about how we conceive of ourselves and how we relate to and how we minister to others. And then the third thing he says, He seated us with Him in the heavenly places. He seated us with Him in the heavenly places. Now, what does that mean? You know, the author of Hebrews in in Hebrews 10 talks about how Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father. What, What does he mean by that? Jesus is just spending eternity sitting around? No, that's not what he's saying. See, it's a picture. It's kind of a a symbol. what's What's he mean by that? The picture is this. If someone is sitting, what is it? It's just cessation of effort. Work is over the end of work. And that's what he's telling us. Hey, you know what? When you have come to Christ and I have raised you up with him and I have seated you with him in the heavenly places... You no longer have to be working for your identity. It's there. It's settled. Who you are is now settled for all eternity. You are in Christ. Your identity is not something you ever have to worry about. And by the way, when he's talking about heavenly places, he's not talking about like some far off place in space somewhere. He's not talking like that. What he's talking about, heavenly places, he's talking about The realm of the kingdom, that is, whenever and wherever God's will is being done. In other words, in the everyday life you live, whenever and wherever God's will is being done, this is your identity. It is safe. It is secure. You don't have to work for anything. While everyone else is scampering around and they could feel tension and pressure and anxiety and hostility and all these things because they have to achieve an identity every single day so that they're okay with God and they're okay with themselves and they're okay with others and they have some sort of significance and they have some sort of serenity and they have some sort of security, he says, You know what? You can rest. You can rest. You don't have to do that. Your identity is set. Your identity is secure. So our identity comes from union with Christ. In fact, being in Christ, that is one of Paul's favorite terms. Now, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, as you guys well know, under the inspiration of God. But that was one of those things. Paul wrote a lot of this. He uses the term in Christ over 150 times in there. And what he's really talking about is that union with Christ we experience when we come to him. Our identity is given to us by God. Now, here's a few of the things that Paul wrote to first century believers about that you might want to jot some of these down just so you have them. And I'll give you some verses so you can look these up later on. But these are some things that Paul said is true about you in your new identity. And it's true about you because you are in Christ. First thing, you are chosen, handpicked by the God who created the universe. Ephesians 1, 3 through 3-4 You are chosen and hand-picked By the God who created the universe Now I don't know about you But some of you may have this thought Sometimes like Yeah, I believe God loves everybody in general But I don't know about me specifically You know, I mean Does he really love me? I mean, I think he does love, you know, the world But what about me? But see, here's what you understand what Jesus said in John 6:44 was this. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So you know what? If you've come to Christ, you've come because God chose to draw you. And as a result, he says, you know what? You're special. You're special. I have chosen you. Second thing, he says, you are complete. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in him you have been made complete. You are loved beyond compare. Romans 5.8 Our daughter, when she was young, used to memorize this. She would say, <clears throat> But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And I think that's right. That's right. His own love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5:8. You are forgiven. Ephesians 1:7, a verse we just looked at a minute ago. Romans 8:1. You are totally forgiven. See, a lot of times Christians run around like I- I've still got to make stuff up to God. No, no. <laughs> you are forgiven. Past, present, future, forgiven. You're forgiven. You are His child. Galatians 3.26 You are secured for all eternity. 2 Corinthians one twenty two, Romans 8.39 Lastly, you're set free. You're set free. Romans 6.18 Galatians 5.1 See, Paul wrote to these believers over and over because what he wanted them to understand is, guys, you've got to understand who you are. You've got to understand your identity. It is crucial. So how do you begin to experience your identity more and more? How, how, do you begin, how does that begin to become more and more of a reality in your own life? Let me, let, me, let me give you four ways that you can do that. The very first one would simply be this. Receive it. Receive it. In Ephesians 2, if you look at the next couple of verses there, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. God says, The last thing in the world I want is a kingdom full of people that are like, How did you get here? Man, achievements. How did you get here? Possessions how'd you get it? I was popular. And I said, no, no, no. It is all by grace, all by grace, every bit of it. And so here's the thing, just like any other gift, you have to receive your identity. Now, some of you may really be here this morning, but you may be at the point where you've never transferred your trust from anything you're doing to what he's already done. And if that's where you are, then the first step for you this morning is, you know what? Step into that and just simply say, you know, boy, God, I've never done that. I've been relying on me. I've been thinking it was all about me and me getting my ducks in a row. But what you find is simple as ABC. That's how you go about it. Admit to God, God, I'm a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ is paid the penalty for your sin, rose from the dead to give you new life and a new identity. C, commit your life to him. So receive him. That's the first step. The second thing, maybe you've done that, but the second thing you need to do, you need to remember it's a process. You need to remember it's a process. You are in the process of becoming who God has already said you are in Christ. You're in the process of becoming that. David Benner, this author, said one time, he said, when applied to the spiritual life, the metaphor of a journey is both helpful and misleading. And he's right. It's helpful in that it reflects a process, you know, the process of transformation. We are in the process of this. He said it's misleading, though, because we're pursuing what we already have. And we're trying to become who we already are positionally, this is who we are. It's like we're growing into our body. But that's what we're becoming. You know, and one of the main ways it happens, you know, God loves us into whom we're becoming. He loves us into that. Just like parents love their kids into who they're becoming. You know, you're going to find this hard to believe. But in my former days, I was a thief. Like when I was five. Uh, I went to the store with my mom. And I was like, you know, going to the store. And now... There was this show that was out then called Have Gun, Will Travel. Now, if you've never seen that, you need to because, quite frankly, it's a good show. But this guy would always walk around, and his name was Paladin, and he would always show up, and, you know, they would always have this dun-dun-dun, you know. And I would always like, it. I was, don't you think life would be much more fun with the soundtrack? I mean, it just would. You know, you would know what to do. You know when to be scared. You know, if you heard like, da 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 you would just know. But, you know, it was one of those things. He would always go around. He would pull out these little cards that had a picture of a chess piece on it. And it said, have gun, will travel. And he was like the coolest guy. So I go to the store one day and I see this whole set of stuff there. In the store, the Have Gun Will Travel kit. Why? Because they know what kids want. And so they had that there. And I'm telling my mom about why it would be good for me to have this. And she's telling me no. And so I'm like, okay. But I look, and there's this little packet of cards there. And I thought... Really, what people would want that bought that kit would probably be the gun and the other stuff. They probably wouldn't care if those cards weren't there. See, whenever you rationalize, you can tell yourself all kinds of things. That's why you need to tell yourself rational lies are just that rational lies. And so, you know, I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe I could just kind of take that. So I kind of did. Of course, I don't lie well. And so I'm up there, and my mom's looking at me, and she's like, What's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing in my pockets. And so she's like, uh, Okay. Um, so she has me empty my pockets, and then she has me apologize to the store manager. Not something I was really in favor of. But, you know, when I'm leaving, I'm thinking to myself, my mother is probably thinking, Why didn't I swap him in for somebody else? Why did, oh. He's, I don't even want to recognize him. Not true. We get to the car. She says, What were you thinking? I wasn't. And she says, That's not who you are. Sorry. she was right. It was who I was thinking I was at that point. But you know what? Those were life-giving words. You do that same thing with others. When you get around them, what you find is God does that with you. God speaks. He'll say the things to you. He'll say, you know what? That's not who you are. Stop that. You don't live that way. This is who you are. This is your identity. So you want to really live it out. The third thing. Remember identity is honed And clarified in community Identity is really honed and clarified in community You know, church isn't just a good idea You need it To remember who you are Every week That's why the author of Hebrews says You know, consider how to stimulate one another To love and good deeds Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together As is the habit of some He says, don't do that, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other to be really reminded of our identity, and it's there that we find out our gifts, and it's there we're able to utilize those, and we're able to really bless others. And then lastly, remind yourself of the truth of your identity. Remind yourself of the truth of your identity. Three things you ought to remind yourself of all the time. You ought to remind yourself, I am deeply loved by God. I am deeply loved by God. Well, you see that throughout Scripture. I am deeply loved by God. Secondly, I have been made alive with Christ, raised up with Him, and seated with Him. I have been made alive with Christ... Raised up with Him and seated with Him. And thus all the things we spoke of earlier are true about your life. Thirdly, I am in the process of becoming who I really am in Christ. I am in the process of becoming who I really am in Christ. The answer to who you are is one you want to get right. If you get your identity right, you get life right. If you don't, you won't. It's not a question that you want to miss. It is not an answer you want to get wrong. Let me pray for us, and we'll welcome Victor and the crew back up. Father, would you give us The wisdom, would you give us the understanding to be able to see that life and all that we desire, the significance, the serenity, the security, the relationships, all of that is found in you when our identity is in you. So, Father, help us not to be chasing around, trying to create something that we were never meant to achieve, but always meant to receive. And help us to receive that from you. And we pray those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: to spend some time to meditate on to just reflect on the message today Um, and then whatever steps you need to take uh, take some time to think about that Um, we have the connection card you can fill out online um, and you can let us know about some of those steps you might take and we can pray for you on those
1: So to declare your promise my soul now understand so what can i say what can i the one who gave it all. So I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. surrender all
0: us to life, you have died for us, you raised us to life, you're seated us in the heavenly places with you, that we are secure in you, and nothing we can do can remove you, us from your love. As we stand with our life and our hearts abandoned to you, we pray that you would use us however you wish. We no longer live for ourselves, but only for you. We pray this in Jesus' name do one more song and it's a new song it kind of goes like this if you guys want to pull up the lyrics the chorus goes like this so when I fight I fight on
1: my knees with my hands lifted high. oh God the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through God, the battle belongs to you. The battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you're for me. And if you are for me. Who can be against me? Jesus, there's nothing impossible. against the power of our God. So when I fight, I fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through belongs to you Sing it Oh God, the battle belongs to you Oh God, the battle belongs
0: to you Amen Well, thank you guys for joining us. We pray that you will have a blessed week remembering that we are secure in what Jesus has done for us. May you be blessed. Have a good one.
4: Yeah.